0: What kind of a role should we expect for Tyler Pitlick after the 31-year-old journeyman signed a one-year contract with the New York Rangers? We discuss on today's show. Plus, we take a look at Rangers' fifth-round draft pick, Rasmus Larson, all this and much, much more on today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers. Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 867 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. just want to thank you guys, as always, for making Locked New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. And so we'll continue our fun-filled off-season series here where we just take a look at every single player that the Rangers brought in via free agency. Uh, Rangers in general being a little bit more active in the first day, first two days of free agency than I think a lot of us expected. Obviously, uh, the budget was limited due to the salary cap constraints with the Rangers, uh, making a decent amount of savvy, uh, low-risk decent reward signings, and I think the player that we're going to talk about today is the latest example of that, and that would of course be Tyler Pitlick. He signs with the Rangers on a one-year contract worth $787,500. So, just $12,500 over the league minimum, and Pitlick, you know, for anybody... Uh, that needs to know a little bit more about him. Obviously, we're going to discuss, you know, all his career stops and everything that he's done along the way. I, I think by now, you know, Pitlick's been around long enough that the name is probably uh, familiar to most people watching this. But you know, whether that's true or not, obviously, we'll discuss everything that he brings to the table uh, for this Ranger team. For starters, six foot two, two hundred and two pound right winger, and again, just another what I consider to be a solid signing for the Rangers, given once again the budget that they had to work with. Uh, Pitlick's somebody who's going to come in here and compete for time on the fourth line. I think most nights you're going to see him as somebody that's going to be in the lineup. Uh, it's interesting because you see some of these, uh, depth signings that the Rangers have made over the last couple of seasons. You can look at somebody like uh Nick Bonino this off season, Jimmy Veezy last season. I think that might be your fourth line to start the season. The three players I just mentioned, Pitlick Bonino and VZ. I, I feel like with Pitlick, you know, he's going to probably have the inside track to be in the lineup on opening night. But if one of those three players was to come out of the lineup uh, as a healthy scratch to make room for like a Will Cooley, a Brian Hoffman, whatever the situation might be, I get the feeling it could be Pitlick that ends up being the odd man out. Uh That's not to say that he doesn't bring anything to the table because he definitely does. Uh Again, I, I do see him as kind of like the 12th forward. You know, we talk about different roles for different players, a top six guy, a bottom six guy, middle six. Um, He kind of... For me, at least, Pitlick is the number 12 forward, likely to start the season in the lineup for the New York Rangers. And uh, somebody that I think is going to have to play well to hang on to his spot and kind of fend off the challenges from some of the young players or whomever else the Rangers might sign between now and free agency ending. I think most of the big signings are done. Uh, We talked about Tarasenko in our last episode. Is there any way for that to happen? Uh, You can go back and check that out if you want to hear my thoughts on the ongoing Vladimir Tarasenko saga. Uh, but to keep the focus for now on uh, Tyler Pitlick here, obviously, as I mentioned just a minute ago, has had quite the journey in his NHL career. He was drafted number 31 by the Oilers all the way back in 2010. And that's back when there were 30 teams in the league. So Pitlick was actually the first pick of the second round that season. Uh, for frame of reference, that was also the same season. The Oilers had the number one overall pick and uh, they used it to draft Taylor Hall. So, Uh, Neither player really worked out all that great for the Oilers. Uh, And obviously, Pitlick has bounced around quite a bit, spent parts of three seasons with the Oilers. But I found this interesting. You know, for somebody that the Oilers picked with the first selection of the second round, uh, they didn't really give him a ton of rope. He only played in 58 total games with the Oilers over those three seasons. And then he was on his way, uh, spent two seasons with the Dallas Stars right after his time in Edmonton. His first season with the Stars Uh, That occurred in 2017, 2018, probably the most productive of his career, at least if we're going by points, you know, in terms of offensive production, Uh, career high, 80 games played for Pitlick for the stars that season, career high, 14 goals, career high, 13 assists. And obviously that also means a career high in points with 27. Uh, He has never again reached other than this season, double digit goals in a season. And only one other time did he reach double digit assists. Uh, So, you know, we're, we're through the first couple of stops here. Three seasons with Edmonton, two seasons with the Stars. After that, this is when it gets really crazy and he reaches bonafide journeyman status. Uh, spent one season with the Flyers, one season with the Coyotes. Then he split a season between the Flames and the Canadians. And then he spent this past season with the St. Louis Blues. So the Rangers for Pitlick will be team number eight. And assuming he's on the roster to start the season, uh, that will be Pitlick's seventh team. In the past six seasons. So, again, the definition of a journeyman between Pitlick, uh, Nick Bonino, and Eric Gustafson, uh, three bona fide journeymen joining this Ranger team this offseason. And obviously, uh, that's not meant to be an insult or anything like that. I'm just acknowledging the fact that they've played for a lot of different teams. All three of these players uh, have a chance to help the Rangers in one way or another. Um, the fact that their journeyman doesn't mean they can't be effective for this team. I just thought it was interesting to kind of point that out, uh, especially with Gustafson and Pitlick. I mean, no joke, they're on a different team. I was going to say every season, but they average more than a team per season for the past like seven years for each of them, at least with Bonino. You know, he'll stick around the same team for, you know, two seasons every once in a while. But uh, yeah, all three of these guys have, have done their fair share of bouncing around the league. That is for sure. As far as career stats for Pitlick, Nine seasons in the NHL, has played in 386 games, has scored 55 goals, picked up 50 assists, so 105 points. So we're talking about a little bit more than a quarter of a point per game uh, for Pitlick. That just isn't really part of uh, his game. I mean, he can chip in every once in a while, but for the most part, this is somebody that's known uh, as a defensively responsible forward. More on that in a second. But to continue, excuse me, continue going through his stats here, uh, he is an even plus-minus has averaged 12 minutes and 19 seconds of ice time for his career, blocked 256 shots, has dished out 752 hits, so he is a physical player, and 121 takeaways against 94 giveaways. He's also appeared in 22 career Stanley Cup playoff games. 16 of them were with the Flyers in 2019-2020, and in those games, uh, two goals and one assist for Pitlick, but you know, known as just kind of like a hardworking, grinded out, high energy player, seems to be well liked in uh, the locker rooms, the various many locker rooms that he's been in throughout his career. Uh, Also, has decent speed, more speed than you would probably get from your typical fourth liner. And the Rangers, a team I don't know, like I I keep saying this, I don't really see them as like a a slow team or certainly not a painfully slow team. But when you look at their forwards, there aren't really that many burners either. It's just a very kind of average speed team up and down the lineup. Uh, The two you know, guys that are fast that stand out the most to me, I would say probably Kreider and Heedle. They're probably the two fastest skaters or at least forwards and, and probably skaters for the Rangers. Uh, I think Trocek has some underrated speed as well, but certainly Rangers, not really a fast team, not really a slow team either. But Pitlick can at least give you uh, a little bit of speed a little bit further down in the lineup. So maybe he can catch a couple teams by surprise uh, with his speed at some point this upcoming season. We shall see. Um, but another thing about Pitlick, and I think some Ranger fans are going to like this, he will play below the goal line. And I think he'll fit right in there on a line that also contains Bonino and VZ, maybe Barclay Goodroy is on that line from time to time as well. Uh, we'll see how they look to line up. Uh, but Pitlick can also kill some penalties. And the Rangers have really stocked up on forwards that are capable of killing pen- penalties. Uh, there's guys up and down the lineup as far as forwards are concerned. I mean, defensemen, you're always going to have you a know, decent amount of defensemen that you feel good putting out there on the PK, or you should. Um, but with the forwards, yeah, the Rangers have a lot of different options and it'll be interesting to see uh, how that shakes out, who's on what unit and, uh, for Pitlick specifically, if he ends up becoming one of the go-to penalty killers, uh, for this team going forward. And something else I got to mention about Pitlick, this kind of feels like, and I, I just realized they share the same first name. Uh, it feels like this might be a less expensive version of Tyler Mott as far as the Rangers are concerned. Uh, basically for all the reasons that I just mentioned. Tyler Mott right now remains unsigned, and he's kind of become the forgotten man with the Rangers. you know, making all these free agent signings, and with everybody kind of wondering about what's going on with Vladimir Tarasenko. Uh, Same thing with Patrick Kane to a lesser extent. Um, I I suppose with Mott, never say never as far as him maybe still re-upping with the Rangers, but right now it feels like uh, they might be moving on without him. Tyler Mott might be looking to get the best offer that he can, and I understand that. Um, it's not like he's somebody that's ever really broken the bank with any of his contracts in the NHL, but man, I wish Tyler Mott was back. I, I wish there was a way that the Rangers and Mott could have come to some kind of an understanding. Maybe Mott could have taken like a Jimmy VZS contract, but then again, you know, he, he does probably want to get the best offer that he can. And, uh, hopefully for Mott, At the very least, you hope for Mott, you know, if that is what he's chosen to do, that he can at least go out there and get seven figures. I mean, he did this past season, should be able to pull that off again uh, for this upcoming season. And then, of course, the Rangers can trade for him. They can trade, you know, their fourth-round pick for Tyler Mott at the trade deadline once again this season. But I do think right now, the way things stand, the Rangers kind of see Pitlick as something of of an alternative, a less expensive alternative uh, to Tyler Mott. We'll see how that shakes out going forward. One potential red flag as it pertains to Pitlick is that... He does seem to have had a decent amount of injuries throughout his career, specifically to his knee and his wrist. He's had recurring issues uh, with both of those you know, injuries, those, those body parts. Uh, so fingers crossed, obviously, he can stay on the ice for the Rangers uh, for the duration of this upcoming season. Fun fact for Pitlick, uh, he was taken by the Seattle Kraken in the expansion draft from the Coyotes a couple of years ago, uh, but the Kraken then immediately traded him to the Flames in exchange for a fourth-round draft pick. Uh, he also... Made the Blues. He had to sign with the Blues on a PTO this past offseason. So I'm I'm sure he was happy to get an actual, you know, contract offer from the Rangers, not just a PTO. Uh, He ended up making the Blues partly due to the fact that our old friend Pavel Buchnevich was placed on the IR uh, for parts of the season. So uh, that pretty much brings us to now. And Tyler Pitlick, you know, for a a 12th forward, an inexpensive option, a guy making just a shade over the league minimum, uh, I think this is a fine signing for the Rangers. It's not the kind of signing that gets you like super excited. And oh my God, we got Tyler Pitlick, Stanley Cup. But, you know, he, he is a solid player and uh, obviously has bounced around the league a lot, but has found a way to carve out a role for himself everywhere that he's been. And uh, we hope that that obviously continues with the New York Rangers. So I'm gonna keep everything rolling in just a second. I want to uh, talk about Elaine Vigneault retiring from coaching. Uh, He announced that just a couple of days ago here, and obviously he spent uh, a good amount of seasons with the Rangers. Going to talk about his tenure with the Rangers and uh, some of the better memories that we have of him coaching this team. Uh, We will do that in just a second. We're also going to talk about the fifth-round pick for the Rangers later in today's episode, and that will be Rasmus Larson. And like I said, we will get to all that in just a second. But first, got to let everybody know, today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by FanDuel. Take your first swing at betting MLB on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right. Just just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's 200. You can spend betting everything from the money line to the over-under to who you think is going to get the first home run on an app that is safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you can get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on MLB and FanDuel, America's number one sports book. So sign up today and visit fanduel.com slash locked on to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's fanduel.com slash locked on FanDuel, official partner of major league baseball. All right. We just want to go ahead and thank everybody as always for making locked on New York Rangers, your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. And for the everydayers, you guys are going to want to stick around. Like I said, we're going to keep talking about this Ranger free agent class here. Keep looking at the draft class as well. Going to be doing some crossover episodes with some other hosts. I want to eventually, this offseason, do an episode. We did this a couple of years ago with Henrik Lundqvist. Lundqvist was drafted, of course, in the seventh round. I took a look at every goalie that was drafted ahead of Henrik Lundqvist. I want to do the same thing with Igor Shesterkin. Just kind of compare and contrast Igor to the goalies taken ahead of him. I think that could be a lot of fun. Enough time has gone by now where, you know, th- these guys are getting into their mid-20s and they should be underway with their NHL career, you know, if they're developing at the right rate. But for right now, let's go ahead and uh, shift our attention to Elaine Vigneault. Uh, per Vigneault himself, he will be retiring from coaching at the age of 62. And I know there were Ranger fans, you know, mixed reviews from Ranger fans. Overall, I think he had a pretty nice run as the head coach of this team. He ranks pretty high in some all-time Ranger coaching lists. I think some of these numbers might surprise you guys. Uh, I'll get to those in a second, but... Uh, to kind of summarize everything, five seasons with the Rangers, which honestly, I mean, that feels like an eternity uh, when you look at just the way NHL coaching is in general and uh, these most recent handful of Ranger coaches, obviously not lasting very long. David Quinn, three years. George Glant, two years. Peter LaViolette, we shall see. But Elaine Vigneault was here for five years. The team went 226, 147, and 37, or 226 and 184 if we want to combine all the losses. His first year with the Rangers, you'd have to say it was the most successful uh, that he had here. Rangers went 45-31 and 6 and they made it to the Stanley Cup final before obviously losing to the Kings in 5 games. The following year after that, uh Alain Vigneault and the Rangers won the President's Trophy with a record of 53-22 and 7. Unfortunately, their season ended in the Eastern Conference Final against the Tampa Bay Lightning in 7 games, so they were not able to make it back to the final. And, you know, if this is it, as far as A.V. being a coach in this league, he finishes uh, his whole career, not just the Rangers, his whole career, everywhere he's been with 1,363 games coached, 722 wins, 489 losses, 35 ties and 117 overtime losses, as well as a playoff record of 78 and 77. Two trips to the Stanley Cup final. Obviously the aforementioned trip with the Rangers also went there with the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, unfortunately, no championships for Vigneault. He was also a Jack Adams award winner for coach of the year in 2007. That was his first season with the Vancouver Canucks. And he's also the Canucks all time winning coach with 313 wins, but uh, kind of shifting our attention back to what Vigneault did exclusively with the Rangers here. You could honestly make the case and, and this might sound ridiculous at first, but the case can clearly be made that Elaine Vigneault one of the best, one of the most successful coaches in New York Ranger history, and you can feel about that the way you want to feel about that, and uh, the lack of championships that this team has won over you know the past eight decades plus. Um, but the bottom line is what I just said is one hundred percent true. You can make the case that he's one of the best Ranger coaches ever. Um, we've only had as Ranger fans one coach win more than one Stanley Cup, and that was Lester Patrick, and that happened all the way back in nineteen twenty-eight and nineteen thirty-three. A.V. is second all-time, second all-time in wins as a Ranger head coach with 226. Only uh, Lester Patrick has more than him. Uh, A.V. is also tied with Patrick for most playoff wins in New York Ranger history. They each have 31. Uh, A.V. is one of only three coaches to lead the Rangers to the president's trophy for whatever the president's trophy I know some people say it's curse but for whatever that trophy is worth to you uh Rangers have only won it three times Elaine Vigneault was one of the coaches when it happened that was in 2015 as we mentioned uh the other two coaches to accomplish that feat Mike Keenan in 1994 when the rangers obviously won the Stanley Cup and uh Roger Nielsen back in 1992. uh AV also has the fourth highest win percentage in New York Ranger history at 5.96. Number one is Mike Keenan because he was only here for one year. It was a very successful year. 667 winning percentage for him. Number two was Emil Francis at 665. And then number three is actually Galant. Gallant. Uh, he had a winning percentage of 652. But again, Keenan and Gallant weren't here that long and obviously nice winning percentages and everything. But Vigneault actually kind of sustained it, sustained winning at that pace, um, you know, for the entire half decade that he was here. And, you know, numbers are one thing. But I, I think that you could argue the the biggest accomplishment, something that's the most impressive uh, thing that Elaine Vigneault accomplished while the Rangers were here. And I realize that he's not the one playing the games. But in two consecutive seasons, in 2014 and 2015, Elaine Vigneault and the Rangers were down three games to one to their opponent in the second round of the playoffs. They were down three, one against Pittsburgh in 2014, came storming back. Won that series, end up going to the Stanley Cup final. They were also down three to one against the Washington Capitals in 2015. Came storming back, uh won that series, unfortunately lost the next round to the lightning. Um, and I realized listen, the player's the ones playing the game and everything. He can't jump on the ice and do anything for them. But I do think when you're a coach of a team that's down in a series three games to one, you got to send the right message, you gotta push the right buttons, you gotta keep these guys up. I mean, think about 2014. I don't know if anybody remembers this, but um you know they were down three to one, obviously, and they lost games three and four, both at home in Madison Square Garden. Game four was just awful. It was just a flat, lifeless performance. And I realized the schedule didn't do the Rangers any favors that year. They had gone to seven games the previous round against the Flyers, and it's possible the Rangers were, you know, fatigued at that point. But it's a Stanley Cup playoffs. You have to show better than you did in game four. And then, you know, obviously, you know, we have the situation where Marty St. Louis' uh, mom passed away between. Games four and five. And I think certainly the players took inspiration from that. But if you're Elaine Vigneault or a men- member of the coaching staff, again, you have to push the right buttons, send the right message, and uh, make sure that these guys are ready to go. And he did that two consecutive seasons, uh, leading the Rangers back from 3 1 down against first the Penguins, then the Capitals the following season. That to me is kind of the crowning achievement for Elaine Vigneault uh, while he was the Ranger coach. I will say the Rangers, you know, they probably held on to AV for a little bit too long. He was fired at the end of his fifth and final season. The Rangers went 34, 39, and nine that year. The rebuild was already underway. So, you know, not that you can't hang on to the same coach through a rebuild, but the time to move on was possibly uh, the offseason before. Maybe the fact that they had made a couple of deep playoff runs bought him an extra year. um, But obviously that was a disappointing season, even with the rebuild underway. And, um, you know, Elaine Vigneault and the Rangers go their separate ways after that season. But again, I, I think at times AV is a coach who, catches at least a little bit too much flack from ranger fans he was not perfect i I think that you know common complaint is that he favored the veterans we hear that a lot you know there's a lot of fan bases that think that about their coach um but again you know overall they did a lot of winning while he was here a couple of deep playoff runs and um you know their only stanley cup final appearance since 1994 so i'll always be thankful for you know elaine Vigneault, the time that he spent here and you know what the rangers were able to accomplish the fact that they won a lot of games while he was the head coach of this team So we're going to keep everything rolling in just a second here. I want to uh, shift our attention to uh, the Rangers draft class. And specifically, we're going to look at fifth round defenseman Rasmus Larson, uh, who the Rangers took, you know, just a short time ago. Whenever that draft was about a week ago, give or take at this point. Um, And we will do that in just a second. All right. So like I said, let's go ahead. Point the draft spotlight squarely at fifth round defenseman Rasmus Larson, uh, taken by the Rangers then. And it's just kind of a quick roll call here. We already did an episode where we talked in great detail about Gabe Perot. Rangers took him in the first round at number 23. Uh, they then took defenseman Drew Fortescue in the third round at number 50. We talked about Fortescue in our most recent episode. Uh, And that brings us to right here, right now, round five, the Rangers take defense in Rasmus Larson at number 152 overall. Uh, You might be interested to know that this pick originally belonged to the Edmonton Oilers. The Rangers acquired this pick on the May 31st trade uh, that sent 20-year-old center Jaden Groob to the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, in exchange for this selection, the Rangers took Grub in the third round back in 2021. As for Larson, 19 years old, six foot three, weighs 201 pounds. Obviously, a big kid, uh, especially for being just 19 years old. He's also a lefty shot. And he had have a season uh, this past year with uh, I'm going to do my best to pronounce this team name right. Vesturis IK J20. Uh, he played in 50 games with them, scored 16 goals, and added 18 assists. So 34 points for a defenseman in 50 games to go along with a plus 23. And then in six playoff games, uh, he adds another three goals, another two assists, and was a plus two. And he had quite the jump. You know, we talked about this with Fortescue. The same thing can be said here uh, for Larson. He had an incredible jump from his second most recent season to his most recent season. Um, In 2021-2022, he played for the same team uh, 18 games had zero points and was a minus three. So you go from that to having 34 points in 50 games to and also being a plus 23. So a plus 26 improvement in the plus minus stat. And real, I, I know that, you know, points aren't everything, especially when we're talking about defensemen, uh, but that's certainly something that is worth pointing out. Uh, that is for sure. Uh, he's also going to be moving from his native Sweden to play hockey, for Northern Michigan University. And also worth noting that the rink will have different dimensions. So uh probably a little bit of an adjustment period there uh, for Larson. And as is the case with a lot of these late round picks, first of all, information is scarce. It's tough to really track down, you know, detailed scouting reports like we were doing for players in the first couple of rounds there. We had a lot of information about certainly um, you know, the, the first two picks that the Rangers made, uh Perot and then also Fortescue. Uh, by the time you get into these later round picks, it is a little bit of a crapshoot and uh, information and scouting reports are not quite as readily available. Um, but the general consensus seems to be, um, and again, this is true of any late-round pick, Larson is not exactly about to make his NHL debut. His debut is not imminent or anything like that. Probably looking at a situation where he'll need at least you know three years of development, and uh, obviously he's going to be at Northern Michigan, and hopefully uh, he can, you know, have some good seasons there, develop, and uh, we can pretty much take it from there whenever he wraps up his college career. Uh, but the Rangers, you know, they've got good defensemen on the roster. I wanted to point this out as well. They've kind of replenished a little bit as far as the pipeline is concerned. On the NHL roster, everything's cool. You got Fox, Lindgren, Miller, Truba, Schneider, and uh, we will see what happens as far as, you know, Jones and Gustafsson are concerned. Um, but I do feel like the Ranger pipeline, the the prospect tree or whatever you want to call it, uh, the well was drying up at least a little bit as far as defenseman prospects are concerned. You, know, Matthew Robertson is still there. Uh, Ty Emerson just had a nice season in the AHL. But hopefully, between the Rangers drafting uh, Drew Fortescue and Rasmus Larson, they've reloaded a little bit as far as defenseman prospects are concerned. And uh, hopefully the Rangers are feeling good about these two blue liners, uh, possibly eventually making an impact with the Rangers. I feel like Fortescue being in the third round and being so highly thought of and being such a riser on the draft charts um, he's somebody that eventually will, you know, get a shot in the NHL. Uh, we will see if it's with the Rangers by the time you get into the fifth round, there's no guarantees. Uh, but Rasmus Larson, you know, hopefully the Rangers feel good about this pick and maybe somewhere down the road, uh, he is a contributing member, uh, to this Ranger team. But yeah, you know, like I said, once you get into like the fifth, sixth, seventh round of the draft, it is a little bit of a lottery ticket. And, but I think as a lottery ticket, kind of a pick is concerned, this is a good one by the Rangers. Um, you know, it, it, again, it's hard to find a ton of information. I found like one YouTube video that showed Larson, uh, scoring a goal on a one-timer. So that was cool. Uh, hard to know a whole lot about just one video with one goal. Uh, seemed like he had a decent shot, uh, obviously a big kid as well. So that all stood out. Um, but again, you know, you take somebody this late in the draft, you are looking for someone who basically just has something that you like, you know, speed size and tangibles, hockey IQ, whatever the case might be. Um, and with Larson, you're getting a defense in here who, you know, again, just a 19 year old kid, big, big defense in six foot three, uh, 200 pounds plus. And clearly with these numbers that he's putting up a little bit of an offense, offensive upside to his game as well. So uh, again, I feel like for somebody that the Rangers took, uh, in the fifth round, it's a solid pick here. Um, impossible to know if it's going to you know work out for the Rangers and he'll become a, a fixture of the blue line. Uh, but we shall see. He'll at least be given an opportunity uh, like every other kid in this NHL draft. Uh, I figure we could pretty much call it there for today. Uh, the other thing I want to mention, Derek Stepan stories, as I mentioned uh, in previous episodes, I'm collecting Derek Stepan fans from all the listeners. Uh, you know, if you guys can remember who you were with, and how you celebrated and how it all went down when you saw Derek Stepon score an overtime in Game 7 against the Washington Capitals. Go ahead and send your story over to me. Email it to me. DM it to me. Do whatever you got to do. And uh, I'm looking forward later in this offseason to reading all those stories from you guys um, during an episode and just kind of reacting to it and having some fun with it. And obviously reminiscing about what was uh, clearly a, a really fun, really exciting moment in uh, New York Ranger history. So uh, definitely looking forward to that. Send those stories over to me. Uh, One other thing I want to mention, and I do have to check the ESPN website, but I'm also going to be looking to uh, reactivate the Fantasy League for this upcoming season for anybody that might be new around here. uh, We've done the Locked on New York Rangers Fantasy League in all the past three seasons. It's been a lot of fun. We've had 20 players in the league every season. Uh, If you were in the league last year, all you have to do is just let me know that you want to come back and you know maybe I can even do this uh, while while we're recording here let me go to the ESPN website real quick here and let me see if uh, it's even been activated yet because I know there's a lot of people some people have done this uh you know pretty much every year that we've we've had it there's people that have been in it all for years and uh, obviously looking forward to playing with you guys again uh, looking at the website though it does not look like uh ESPN has activated its fantasy hockey league section so we'll have to wait for that but Yeah, like I said, if you want to come back, if you played last year, let me know. If you didn't play last year and you want to play, uh, go ahead, email me, DM me on Twitter, do one or the other, and I will kind of save your spot in line in the case that there are people from last year that uh, don't end up coming back this year. But like I said, that'll do it for today. Once again, if you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that's LO underscore NY underscore Rangers and definitely subscribe to Locked on New York Rangers YouTube channel. We're closing in on 2000 subscribers. So thank you so much to everybody that has already subscribed. And if you haven't subscribed yet, um, there are some things on YouTube, you know, all the full episodes go out on YouTube. They go out on uh, all the audio feeds as well. But nine times out of 10, these episodes premiere on YouTube before they're available uh, via audio. So you'll want to subscribe to YouTube uh, for that reason, if nothing else. And also, there are a couple of uh, YouTube-only videos that we'll post on there every now and then. So, uh, yeah, definitely subscribe, and you can have access to all that fun stuff. But uh, that will do it for today, guys. Once again, uh, thank you for tuning in, and I will see you next time.